Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits this week. I have a really super-duper interview coming up. I know I always say that, but oh, some of the people I have just blow me away. Uh, and this is uh, Dr. Mansour Mohammed, who is coming on the show today. That name may ring a bell because Dr. Mansour has been on the show, I think, three times previous to this occasion. And he is one of my great mentors and teachers, and he's one of the world's leading geneticists and functional genomic scientists. And it's really, really exciting to be able to work with the calibre of the man uh, like Dr. Mansour. Now, today's subject that Dr. Mansour is going to be uh, talking about is hormones, hormones and your genetic profile in regards to your hormones. We're specifically looking at uh, the female hormone uh, situation today, but what I do want you to know is that um, the hormones cascade is, is exactly the same for men. Uh, so a lot, while we're, we're specifically focusing in on the woman's today, and we'll probably focus in on the men on another uh, episode, Um, a lot of what we're saying here will be relevant to men too. And just understanding that you need to know about these pathways, these genetic pathways, before you go mucking around with anything hormonal. Uh, And also some of the nutraceuticals that you may or may may be taking um, can also interfere with this pathway too. So this information that's going to be coming out to you today is absolute uh, uh, game changer. Uh, Really important for me. I'm on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy because I'm going through the menopausal change at the moment, just being transparent. So this information for me has been absolutely crucial because I can tailor my own hormone um, prescription to my specific genetic needs and then layering, layering that on with understanding where my bloods are at as well. So it's really, really key information. If you're a woman who is on the pill, if you're woman who's got endometriosis or PCOS, or if you're a male who's got prostate problems, or if you're a male who's thinking of uh, going on testosterone uh, testosterone replacement, all of these things are really, really pertinent to this conversation today. So I don't want you to miss out. Now, do stick around to the end of the uh, conversation because Dr. Mansour has a company called the DNA uh, company, which actually has DNA reports. So you can get your DNA tested if after after listening to this session, you are curious about what the heck your your hormone pathway is and how to optimize it. Um, then you can you know stick around to the end and check out the show notes as all the links will be in there as well. Um, before we head over to Dr. Mansour, just want to remind you we have a new uh, system now at Running Hot Coaching, my online run training academy. Um, we have fully personalized, customized run training plans based specifically on your goals and where you're headed. Uh, if you want to join us in our in our company, we would love you to come come along. Um, you're going to get a session with me uh, to discuss all your goals and your objectives, to answer any questions around running. And then you would also get a fully, after that uh, consultation has been done, you'll get a video analysis so we can actually look at you running and analyze your running style and help you optimize that. And then you're going to get a fully customized 
training plan for your specific next goal, whether that's a, a 10K, a 5K, a marathon, a half marathon, it doesn't matter. We will provide the plan for you, which will also include all your mobility work, your strength work, as well as your run sessions, and also guidance around nutrition and electrolytes and mindset, which are very, very important pieces of the puzzle as well. So if you want to check that out, head on over to runninghotcoaching.com um, and you can find out all about it. Or if you've got any questions, reach out to me, support at lisatamati.com. <clears throat> Also wanted to remind you my latest book, Relentless, is available for sale. You can grab that on my website at lisatamati.com along with my other two books, Running Hot and Running to Extremes. I'd love you to check those out. If you love some of the content that's been on this podcast, then this is uh, these books will uh, definitely be up your alley. Um, my latest book is a bit different to the first two, which were my running adventures and all the highs and lows and disasters and successes that I had uh, racing the world's most extreme events on the planet. Planet. The third one is really uh, the journey I took with my mum over the last well, ne- nearly five years now um, after her aneurysm and bringing her back and rehabilitating her. But it's not just a book about rehabilitation. It's about mindset. It's about overcoming the odds. It's about the mental strength to be able to carry on when everybody's telling you there's no chance and there's no tomorrow. Uh, it's a book that will empower, inspire, and has some very, very important messages that I'm really, really keen to get out in the world. So please, make sure you check that out as well relentless you can find all of those on lisatamati.com right now over to the show with dr mansour mohammed well, hi, everybody, and welcome back. I am super excited once again to have Dr. Mansour Muhammad on the show today. And Dr. Mansour is a real repeat offender on the show. I think this is the fourth podcast. You're the only person who's been on here four times, Dr. Mansour. So welcome to the show again. It's fantastic to have you back. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm not sure. Does that mean I have to repeat myself to be understood? (laughs) (laughs) No, you've got so much knowledge that we have to share with everybody. That's why. Um, It's an absolute honor. Oh, so, Dr. Mansour, today we are going to be focusing everybody on uh, the genetics and hormones in particular, and we're going to be focusing in a bit on the ladies, although this is very relevant for the men out there too. So don't turn off if you're a, a guy and just go, oh, well, this is uh, for one for the ladies. This is also uh, aimed at men. But Dr. Mansour is the, a world-leading uh, functional genomics scientist, and we're going to be talking today about the hormone cascade and understanding our genetic uh, pathways that we take with our hormones and why we need to understand this and uh, how important it is for us. So Dr. Mansour, where shall we start with this journey of going through the hormones? Well, I think the first thing we want our listeners to understand, and, and it's not lost in any young woman post menarche. and so let's just define just two quick terms, menarche the time in which a young woman begins her monthly cycle and she enters into young womanhood all the way through menopause, premenopause, perimenopause, and then postmenopausally. That in all of these wonderful stages of a young woman's life, that this what we call sex hormones, the steroidal hormones, the progesterones, the androgens, most notably testosterone, estrogens, and their respective metabolites they influence the human body at a cellular and at a holistic level in the most fundamental of ways, okay? So that's the first thing, just to emphasize the importance of these sex hormones, 
The second is to clarify that the, with this importance, it's not just about external female characteristics of breast development or hip flare or thigh development or bum development or fat deposition. It's not just quote unquote about the obvious phenotypic or physiologic manifestations of these hormones. We have to understand that sex hormones impact every aspect of cellular behavior. These hormones, when produced, and, and by definition, hormones are messenger molecules that are produced in one part of the body, in this case, for example, the ovaries. They then enter into the bloodstream, circulate throughout the body, and then impact every cell and that cellular behavior. So the second more important point is our listeners have to understand that the way in which their bodies respond to these hormones define and contribute to every aspect of cellular function, every aspect of cellular function. Now, if we, if we can appreciate that, the third thing we've got to appreciate in a young woman's body, okay, is that there's a circadian rhythm or a circadian, generally speaking, that there's a circadian nature to these hormones. In other words, it strikes me, and I attended a remarkable conference a bit of, a bit over a year ago it was with the red bull team of super athletes mm -hmm. and their clinicians mm. and one of the clinicians she is from the uk she specializes in treating female athletes that's her sphere yep. is dealing with female athletes mm -hmm. and in her presentation we were all presenting at this conference she said something that was alarming heart-wrenching but almost not surprising all at once. And that was, she said, she would, she ran a survey on these female athletes. These are like top of the world female athletes. One of which just to begin with was one of the top, if not the top female soccer teams in the world. Mm -hmm. And she said, not a single one of these athletes, female athletes were ever asked or made aware of the health of their monthly cycle. Wow. Yep. And these okay. are the top people, let alone all the these other the, weekend indeed. warriors. And <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Right? And so she was besides herself as a, as a scientist and a clinician that for something as fundamentally impactful to the human body as those sex hormones. So, for example, as she illustrated, depending on whether a woman is in her follicular phase or her luteal phase of her menstrual cycle, proclivities to injuries change mm -hmm. the flexibility of the ligaments in the body changes wow. the response to the body to different types and motifs of exercises changes when is the female body again we're speaking here in, in at, at first in generalities of the average female going mm -hmm. through a monthly cycle not yet on the pill we to, yep. we're going to talk about the pill as yeah. a separate factor but it just as part of the normative circadian rhythm of the female body, the female body morphophysiologically, cellular metabolically, at day seven of the monthly cycle is completely different. And that's, a, I'm speaking a little bit in extreme, as to the body when it's on day 15, wow. as to the body when it's on day 20. And so you've got individuals demanding the very best from their body, optimal performance, and they have not yet even come to terms with the basal changes yeah. to the body Stay between these stages, wow. right? And, and as she pointed out, so many injuries due to training, 
in these athletes. And again, we're speaking of athletes, but we can we can juxtapose that to, like you said, the average female trying to simply be the best version of herself could be could be avoided if if the young woman only knew what stage in her monthly cycle she was at, if the young woman only knew the oxidative stresses that are different during different times of the monthly cycle. So if I told you, Lisa, that at a point in your menstruating cycle, you innately, naturally have surplus oxidative stress, it really doesn't take a lot further to go to understand mm. that in those times and days, the They're last thing you want to do hard. is go, there you go. You mm. don't want to put even more oxidative stress at that wow. point in the body. Wow. Okay? And so on and so on and so forth. So in this third category, to, to, as you said, to, to establish the baseline that we're speaking of, we've got to understand the importance of hormones. We've got to understand that it's beyond just the outward superficial physiology mm -hmm. of the body. And in this case, speaking of young women, we've got to understand that there is a circadian rhythm to these hormones. Now, once we understand these three bases, these three points, then we have to appreciate that part, a significant part of what controls that circadian rhythm, and then within that circadian rhythm, what controls the nuances of one young woman versus the other, mm -hmm. relies upon their genetics. Their genetics, yep. Okay. Yep. And so once we understand the functionality of the circadian rhythm of the female cycle, literally, once we understand the gears that are going through those 28 approximate days, once we understand that rhythm, we understand the genes that control or significantly contribute to that rhythm, mm -hmm. understand that each individual potentially has variations in those genes that controls that rhythm, we begin to understand the nuances, we begin to understand the individuality of Paula versus Lisa versus Joanne versus Isabel. And so we begin to understand that a once, as with every aspect of intelligent medicine, but few aspects of medicine are as boldly, innately different as the nuances and the individuality of a young woman's innate genetic control of the circadian rhythm. And one, we, we, we'll talk about this, we need to appreciate this. And the most abhorrent of complications that occur, if you do not understand this individuality, one young woman to the next, and then you take that birth control pill. I am mm. not, of course, I have no place to be anti-birth control pill. I'm a man. I'm not a young mm. woman. No. So this is not about being anti-birth control the, yeah. pill. Not at all. But it's to say the simplest thing that we think that you can take a thousand university young women, you know, first year university student, girls, young women, and somehow put them on the same birth control. Get literally the same, the same birth control and somehow expect that there's going to be the same effect and somehow do away, minimalize and even criticize a young woman who comes back and says, I find that I'm gaining weight. I find that I'm, my mood is not the same. I find, I and then because five other young women don't have those issues, the doctor says, no, that's not because of the pill. And they're dismissed mm -hmm. and they're not even appreciated as to the uniqueness of their body's response to something. Again, sometimes the pill is a saving grace yes. for yep. 
a young woman. But what we're speaking of here is in these three pillars, the fourth pillar is the individuality of the genetics of that young woman and all of the remarkable insights that a young woman can gauge from this. Uh, before I go any further, and it's not a plug in the least, I hope I'm not... Uh, uh, you know, going against any regulation yeah. of your podcast. No, no, but no. There's a brilliant. There's a brilliant book called "In the Flow." In, in the flow. The yep, flow. We'll put the link in the show notes to it. I have. I have no association with the author, or but it's just she did an amazing job, and I'm trying to get the name as I'm speaking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember. I'll remember the name. She did an amazing job without the genetics of showing how radically important a young woman understanding her circadian rhythm, how at different points of her month, her body responds to different foods differently, her brain response, her emotive response. She's wow. really done a beautiful job of highlighting the awesome, holistic, cellular changes that go through a young woman's body in these waves in of circadian month. rhythms every 28 days. So wow. this, what, this sets the stage, Lisa, mm -hmm. and everything that we might want to talk about is predicated on this understanding and then the genetics that explains this. That, that, that's a beautiful entry into this whole actual looking at the mechanics, if you like, of the genetic pathways that, that I do want to get into. Because, in other words, every single woman is is individual. And, and this is the beauty of genetics in general, is that we can actually personalize once we understand our own genetic pathways. And, you know, we, we do this, uh, you know, both in, in our profession, um, is to understand what our genes are doing and how they're expressing and how we can optimise these the genetic pathways, if you like, in this case, with our hormonal pathways. And this has a real implication when it comes to things like uh, the birth control pill, when it comes to, uh, in my case, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy on the other end of the scale going through the menopausal years, um, because this has implications, whereas, you know, if, if I take... Uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and we've actually talked uh, briefly uh, on one of their podcasts about some of my hormonal which I'm happy to share as well um, I'm on a, a hormone replacement uh, therapy um, but I understand my genes and I understand where my problems may lie and therefore I can keep an eye both from a blood perspective, you know, keep an eye on my, my hormone levels, but I understand my own cascade and I can mitigate the chances, for example, of developing uh, uh, estrogen-based cancers or, you know, like breast cancers or cervical cancers, whereas another person, if we put them on the same regime, may run into trouble. Um, Indeed. Yeah. And, and even, if, even without the, shall we say, more extreme outcomes or concerns, such as hormonally related cancers, but really just even the day-to-day well-being of the body, you know, the risks of uh, peripheral neuropathies, the risks of migraines or lack or resolving them, fatigue, weight gain, things that are the way your body responds to nutrients. Again, understanding where your body innately, your, your innate tendency is as per explained by your genes. And we'll get into some profound examples of this and then making sure that you act in accordance because we have choices and some of the choices we can make. And sometimes there are, you know, I think there many times when we speak about human optimization, 
there are certain voices and they have a point that can say, look, but there are universal truisms. They're, they're just things that we should all know are either healthy or unhealthy. And, and there are a few of these things. But what is remarkable here is, especially when it comes to female hormones, there are things that you might deem to be universally healthy, but actually can be either unhealthy or certainly not optimal for some young women versus yeah. others. Yeah. Right. So, so we, we're really in the realm here of not just talking about universal truisms that are relevant with no. or without genetics. We're speaking of nuances that are so radically important. And, 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 and might I then, Lisa, with that, if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to then set the stage of some of just just set the stage for themes, things yes. that your audience, your listeners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few things. And my hope and my goal is for many of the listeners out there, at least a few of these things should resonate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So for example, how many young women out there find that their introduction and their experience to cyclical migraines kick in post-puberty? Mm-hmm. In other words, here she is, she's living in the same home, same nutrition, healthy, or whatever version of lifestyle. And the day comes where she enters into young womanhood and right thereafter, right thereafter, not, not directly related to her flow as per what she could physically and visually manifest, but this concept of now dealing with migraines, mm-hmm. a concept of dealing with a circadian rhythm to her mood and to her, what she might find trouble for those first few years until she becomes an adult woman and she, she's got life experiences, but she's always found that she's having a hard time to express that she literally feels that her emotional resilience, that ability, to, that barometer to what tips her over that scale yep. of resilience yep. changes. And she's never, and no one has even asked her, by the way, do you see that it comes in patterns? No. Do you find that it happens and kicks in three to five days prior to your cycle? Do you find that that's when you see some of these changes in the body? Do you find that it kicks in a day before ovulation? Do you even know when ovulation is happening? None of these conversations even happen so that these apparently unrelated just symptomologies of, well, there's some anxiety or, you know, I get migraines. They're just brushed under the growing list of things that, well, you just take a pill for it, meaning a pharmaceutical treatment, or they're minimized and somehow they're accepted as just a routine part of, well, that's what it is to live. Or how many young women out there have dealt with some of these symptoms of migraines or pain, fibromyalgic-like pain, debilitating fatigue, And then something miraculous happens. When they become pregnant for nine months, most or all of their symptoms resolve. Wow. (laughs) How many young women have said to me, I can't tell you, Lisa, again, I know that being in New Zealand, I'm not sure if you have to deal with the plague of Lyme disease. It's something that we have here more in in, in, Northeastern America. Yeah, more so overseas, but yeah. Yeah. But but it's it's a bacterial tick-borne disease that ruins lives. And there are, interestingly, a preponderance of women who present with Lyme disease-like symptoms. Now, we worked, I worked in a clinic, and I was one of the first to describe this phenomena. And I had to say, not 
trivializing the horridness of the disease. I said to a patient, I said, you know, those ticks don't like women more than men. <laughs> you know, unless, so why unless are more women, women presenting with these symptoms? Presenting with, with these symptoms, unless women were more likely to go tracking and hiking and be exposed to, you know. The, but here was the point. It was that there was a significant, in one of the clinics that we did the study in, there were a significant number of women who presented with classically what outwardly seemed as Lyme disease symptomologies of debilitating fatigue, uh, uh, almost concussion-like presentations, uh, 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 mental malaise, muscle aches and pains, as I mentioned, fibromyalgic-like presentations, and they were convinced that they had Lyme disease, convinced that they had Lyme disease. And because it's such a uh, such a polymorphic disease, yep. many doctors were going ahead and treating them with massive antibiotics, uh. even if they couldn't confirm the, the infection, because, the, 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 because, they, because many doctors uh, uh, almost agreeably have had to say because so many so many true Lyme patients are being undercared for right. that there are some really good doctors wanting to do the right thing who were treating the symptom and the presentation per se. But amongst these individuals were a preponderance of women who were not testing positive for Lyme disease. So what was going on here? And what we did when we studied these young women was we looked at a significant number who then went ahead and became pregnant during their proposed Lyme disease. Yep. And for the nine months of pregnancy, all of their symptoms their resolved. Symptoms. Wow. And I, ha- and I had to say to both the doctors and the patients, I said, your borealis, the Bondifori borealis bacteria, yep. the bacteria that causes that, doesn't just take a hike during pregnancy. It doesn't just go away. It's, so just it's go not away. that. It's not that. So what else is at play here? Well, how many young women understand that during their menstruating months and years, the primary estrogen in their body is estradiol? Yep. During pregnancy, your primary estrogen is estriol. Yep. Estriol is not metabolized into the same byproducts as estradiol. Estradiol can be metabolized. Every young woman metabolizes estradiol into three byproducts. Yep. Two hydroxyestradiol, four hydroxyestradiol, 16 alpha hydroxyestradiol. Now, every young woman produces all three, but genetically, you are predisposed to producing more of one or the other, depending on your genetics. And if you happen to be the young woman who was predisposed to producing in the ratio more of the 4-hydroxy or even the 16-alpha-hydroxy, and God forbid, more of the 4 and 16-hydroxy, as compared to the 2-hydroxy, the 4-hydroxy and to a degree the 16-alpha-hydroxy metabolites are particularly inflammatory. They're literally inflammatory metabolites that the body has been designed to get rid of. But if you were that young woman that genetically was predisposed to producing more of these naughty metabolites as opposed to the much, much less inflammatory 2-hydroxyl, yeah. <clears throat> then just innately 
you're the young woman that every cycle of the body, when it comes around to the body metabolizing those estradiols, your primary estrogen, when you're menstruating, when that estradiol is metabolized for a period of two, three to five days, depending on your particulars, your body literally, regardless of whether you were eating organic and living organic and breathing the best air in the world, <laughs> internally, you are producing an internal inflammogen, an internal yes. thing that is causing yeah. both inflammation and oxidative stress. Wow. Now, during pregnancy, when you become estriol dominant, you're not getting it. You, you don't get these metabolites. And so when a young woman gets pregnant and she complains prior to pregnancy of these malaise and these symptomologies and then come pregnancy and the only thing that has changed and I've had young women cry in my office saying, Dr. Mansur, how did you know to ask me if I felt better during pregnancy? Because usually it's quite the opposite. You yeah. People think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get morning sickness and I'm going to feel... Yeah. These young women... Were better off. <laughs> were better. And they would say, you know, Mansur... I wished I could stay, quote unquote, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. That, those were the months where I actually had a relief from, from these all symptoms. these horrible so, symptoms. And so, so these are Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Doctor Mentor. So, so these four hydroxy and the sixteen alpha hydroxy to a lesser degree, because it's a rarer uh, situation. Um, yes. This is this is in relation to the CYP nineteen A one gene, the aromatase gene. We're, we're turning yes. our testosterones into estrogens. Yes. Um, is there any? So, when we go on the if we if we put on the pill, which has got estrogen in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're one of those women who have, and this goes for men too, my husband has a 4-hydroxy uh, dominance, for example, mm-hmm. which is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He, uh, is, is, uh, are we exasperating the problem when we take the, take the pill without so knowing it? So, so just to clarify and add a layer of clarity, mm-hmm. so estrogen and the estrogen molecule and the estrogen hormone is actually nothing other than aromatized testosterone. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of young women don't appreciate that, you know, they they, they self-identify with estrogens. You know, women tend to yep. self-identify estrogen. with estrogens and men, quote unquote, tend to self-identify with testosterone. Yes. In fact, I had one of these absurd uh, <laughs> pop-ups on, on, I was watching a food vlog, which is my guilty pleasure, especially yeah. during COVID. I like <laughs> watching it, you know, foods being prepared and, and, and you've got these annoying YouTube ads that come up. And one of it was this buffed, you know, male trainer. And he comes on the screen on the ad and he goes, well, testosterone is what makes a man a man. You know, and, well, not quite, but okay. <laughs> so the point, the point is men need to understand that we too make estrogens. Yes. And women need to understand that the very estrogens that they may or may not self-identify with are really simply testosterone molecules that have been aromatized. Okay, so there is a gene, a specific gene, one gene, CYP19A1, as you have mentioned, and in fact, the parlance, the more common name for the CYP19A1 gene is aromatase. Mm-hmm. And this gene with its enzyme chemically changes testosterone into estrogen, mm-hmm. i.e. estradiol or estrone as the case might be. Okay, but 
Then once you make your estrogen, your estradiol, let's just fix it at that. Then there are other genes that make other enzymes that make the two or the four or the 16 byproducts. Mm. So specifically, there's a gene known as the CYP1B1, CYP1Bravo1. This is the gene that makes the self-named enzyme that takes some of your estrogen and turns it into the naughty 4-hydroxy yeah. estrogen metabolite. Now, the point, the point here is different women and different men, and just to clarify for the male listeners out there, we, if you would think that estrogen was a female issue, and if you would think that 4-hydroxy estrogen was a female issue, think again, mm, because we now understand... Is. And we now understand that 4-hydroxyestrogen metabolites in men contributes to prostate enlargement, contributes to the inflammation of the prostate. For many years, in fact, for the last two to three decades, all of the research on benign prostate hyperplasia in men has focused on a testosterone metabolite yeah, known as DHT. Yeah, it's a D5-H2. Right, so the <clears throat> so DHT dihydrotestosterone is the product, it is the metabolite of testosterone produced by the steroid 5 alpha reductase 2, the SRD5A2 mm. gene with its enzyme, okay, produces that metabolite. And we, and it is true that DHT, one molecule of DHT has the potency to bind to androgen receptors as six molecules of testosterone. Wow. It's a much more potent. Super, super testosterone. Super, right? So here's the thing. DHT is to testosterone as 4-hydroxyestrogen is to estrogen. Oh, Wow. DHT is the testosterone metabolite that interacts with the androgen receptor much in the same way as the 4-hydroxy yep. metabolite of estrogen. 4-hydroxy overproduction in men, we have now discovered, is a significant contributor to the etiology and the progression of prostate enlargement, wow. benign prostate wow. hyperplasia. I thought it was just okay. CSRD, the, the DHT. Nope. So I need to, nope. yeah, okay, I nope. need to go and check nope. that with my husband. <laughs> and in fact, now for the last for the last <laughs> couple of years, some of the actual pharmaceutical clinical trials to treat benign prostate hyperplasia has switched everything, all of our Propecia and Finisteride, these medications yeah, yeah, that yeah. currently, and, and, and just for the male listeners out there, it is unsurprising that the very medications that are often used for benign prostate hyperplasia were found or were then used for balding. Yeah, because the same DHT that mm. promotes male pattern balding is the same testosterone metabolite that overinflames the prostate but wow. now we understand that the males who have the four hydroxy estrogen preponderance genetically why because they had a version of the cyp1b1 gene that made a version of the cyp1b1 enzyme that is more aggressive at converting estrogen into this metabolite yeah. so men this discussion is equally important to you. But coming back to the females very quickly then, Lisa, you see a young woman who does not know who's going about her, you know, her life and her teenage years and her 20s, not even knowing what is the degree, what is, what is my innate 
tendency my pathway within which i convert my progesterone to testosterone what is my innate tendency to convert testosterone to dht that more virulent testosterone what is my innate tendency to convert testosterone into estrogens and by the way once i make the estrogens what is my innate tendency in converting it into the 2s and the 4s and the 16 metabolites because you see if a young woman were to understand this right off the bat lisa it defines why and how easily she develops lean muscle mass yep it defines why she can eat the same foods exercise the same as her mate in fact exercise more than mm-hmm. her mate and be fit and be beautiful and be strong but never get that cut or that sort yep. of striated musculature yeah as for not saying that that's what she wants or not but so many yep. young women are going i work her hard and train my bum off i train my bum off Yeah, but I'm not that. seeing that <laughs> that type of but yes. this is going to be intimately intimately described by the young woman who is making less DHT from her testosterone mm-hmm. making more estrogens from her mm-hmm. testosterone making more 4-hydroxy estrogens from her estrogens from her testosterone this is a young woman who's cellular toxic and estrogenic estrogenic and estrotoxic yeah. and she cannot and until and unless she appreciates this and until and unless she takes steps to reduce and of course that's the that's the million dollar question can we take yes. steps yes. to reduce this and the and the overwhelming answer is yes we can okay but if she's even unaware of this to take the steps in the first place so now yes. we come back to those super athletic young females for whom their doctor when they did the research here they were no one ever even asked them what their monthly cycle health was are you having a monthly cycle is it irregular how do you feel with the cycle are you on the pill so now i answer your question you see lisa if you didn't know where you were innately on that cascade remember young women out there all of the ladies out there in a normal quote unquote in your natural monthly cycle without the pill that very yeah. that very as without the pill you know just just you know you're 16 you're 26 you're 36 you're menstruating how many of you realize that that very estrogen that you self identify with isn't produced 24/7 30 days a month exactly <clears throat> i mean it is when it's, you put on the pill <laughs> but that's the difference There's isn't it the difference so, well, well, what 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 I, my very point that i'm trying to make is in your natural monthly cycle your body is only estrogenized it is only under the influence of this hormone and i'm going to step aside and make a couple more points on this but i'll finish my point here when you are naturally menstruating there's only a window of about 5 to 7 days give or take in your 28 or 30 day or thereabouts where you are in your unique monthly cycle that your body is actively producing estrogens those estrogens are actively circulating in your bloodstream and the cells of your body are actively responding to that estrogen compare and contrast that to being on the pill yeah where for 21 days of a 28 day cycle wow. not 5 to 7 days 21 days your body is under the influence of estrogen and and here's the thing lisa that i have to admit and again 
let me be clear, all of Lisa's amazing listeners, this is not about anti-pill. The pill no. is absolutely, it is your right. It is something that you control. It is absolutely a godsend for different times of your life and for different young women. But you've got to ask, where are you in the spectrum of young women and how will your body respond to this differently? And you at least, you at least need to understand that your body was not estrogenized for 21 days in your normal cycle. No. And, and here's the newest thing, Lisa, that I must admit this gives me indigestion. Again, I have no say over the matter. But now the practice of actually having no bleed through. No bleed through. How many no, women are yeah. now being put on <clears throat> constant seven, pill? Constant pill without yeah. even a bleed through. Period. Oh, so now you go from a normal physiology of every month, say seven days of estrogenization, to 365 days of estrogenization. Oh, disaster. So now, Lisa, I'm remiss, and we would be remiss if I don't quickly emphasize to our listeners, what is estrogen? What is this thing that you, okay, well, it's, it's stopping me from getting pregnant. My hair is luscious. My skin might look really wonderful. So after all, shouldn't be a problem. What you have to understand, and our listeners out there, in the female body, and I can speak of the male and female body, I'm just going to focus on the female body for the time being. In the female body, Lisa, every single cell produces these receptors for estrogen. So mm -hmm. if this is your cell, you have mm -hmm. an estrogen receptor. Receptor, okay? yep. And when that estrogen is produced or it is taken, yep. As, as, on the as, pill. As, as a pill yep. or, or as, as, as whatever, the, even certain neutral estrogen analogs. Yeah, or xenoestrogens right, and right, plastics. Or xenoestrogens and plastics and so mm. right? When these molecules enter your body, they bind to these receptors on your cells, mm -hmm. okay? Because by the way, estrogen doesn't do what it does in the body by just being produced and floating in the bloodstream, no. Estrogens do what they do in the body by being produced, by then binding to these receptors, and what happens, this is the important point, what happens when estrogen binds to its receptor? What happens is the DNA expression, your genes in that cell, gene expression is radically altered. Wow. Literally, the genes, the instructions within your cellular operating manual changes when estrogen enters the cells yep when there's no estrogens in the cells changes yep so the, so now let's come back the female body apologies for the phone call people in the background <laughs> the female body in its normative circadian rhythm experiences a gene expression shift Yes. change in gene expression for the days in which your estrogen was elevated. And yep. then, of course, it comes back down in the normal cycle. What happens when you force your cells to go into a gene expression shift 
for 365 days a year without change. And we're talking like hundreds of genes, hundreds or dozens of of, of genes that have been changed, turned on and off. Turned on. And these genes genes impact the metabolic efficiency of your cells. Well, the thyroid. The the, the (laughs) thyroid function, which is why how many times we see a complete thyroid problem between hypothyroidism hyperinsulinemia yep. the body's response to insulin and estrodominance wow these three. and when these three things come together we euphemistically call it metabolic syndrome well, yeah. you know it's look, estrogen there's, there's a re- there's a point behind wow. it there's a, there's an impact behind it and the point here that i want to make is we often just think of the sometimes and arguably beneficial outcomes outward outcomes of being on the pill, okay? And I emphasize for the umpteenth time, please, this is not about not being on the pill. No, this isn't about the, your the, choice. The, this the, is about what it pill, does. The pill, can be, the pill can be what is right for you at certain points in your life, but it's about being educated that taking this hormone is not something as trivial as stopping your ovaries from producing an egg. That's not what that hormone is doing only. This hormone is interacting with every cell in your body and it is changing the way your genes express in every cell of your body. Now, the point point here is if we were to do, I like to call it a heat map. If you took a young woman and you color code her body from white to red, according to which cells in her body have Have more estrogen receptors, what you will do is the whole body isn't going to be white. The whole body isn't going to be red. It's going to be shades of white and pink and red. And of course, Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly, the region of the breast tissue will be some of the reddest cells because those cells in the breast tissue are some of the most sensitive to estrogen. So what does this mean? It means that when estrogen is present in the bloodstream, the cells of the breast tissue are some of the most able to absorb that estrogen. But what happens when it absorbs the estrogen? Gene expression happens. Gene expression changes happens. And the cells were designed to account for a circadian rhythm to their gene expression change. Yeah, not 21 when we subject, days. Not 21 days, or repeatedly, repeatedly, yeah. repeatedly, or 28 days for that matter, repeatedly, repeatedly. Again, I stress, not for the young woman who is seeking birth control, maybe for a few months or periods in her life. We're speaking of the travesty of young women that have been on the pill since they were 14, and yep, here they me. are at 32. Mm. And then unable to conceive and or cancers or weight gain or cellulitis or all of these implications. Or the, the, very, the very metabolic machinery of that cell, your very mitochondrial efficiency of the cell is wow. impacted during, and this brings me back to the brilliant comment by the brilliant a female scientist that I was speaking of earlier, where a young woman should understand that in her natural, healthy 28-day rhythm, metabolic efficiency, mitochondrial efficiency changes in response to the ratios and the waves and troughs of 
progesterone versus testosterone versus estrogens. Think what happens when you put a blanket of estrogen over everything 24 7, 28 days, 30 days a month, 365 days a year. Now, the point here, Lisa, is coming back to even more finessed point in your question is, well, that is what I what we've just explained happens in every young woman that goes on the pill. Every young woman that goes on the pill. But what happens when you didn't realize that you had the proclivity of making more of the four hydroxy estrogens? Yeah. Yep. What happens when you didn't realize that your ability to then neutralize the four hydroxy estrogen, that inflammatory estrogen metabolic, which by the way, you're now not realizing it, but you were making more of it. Mm-hmm. You were producing, when you introduce X amount of estrogen molecules, more of it was going down the four hydroxy pathway than the healthier two hydroxy pathway. If you were not aware of this and you were doubly unaware of the molecular mechanisms that neutralize. So what is the gene? Let's take a look at this. Yeah. What is the gene that neutralizes for hydroxyestrogen. What is that gene? The gene the that neutralizes is COMT. Okay. COMT so yep. COMT, ethical methyl transferase. Mm. This is the gene, the, the gene that is makes an enzyme, the same named enzyme, COMT mm-hmm. enzyme. And the job, one of the jobs of this enzyme is that it recognizes the production of four hydroxyestrogen which is inflammatory, which is, which is pro-oxidative, pro-inflammatory, pro-estrogens, and... yep. indeed. Because okay. here's what happens. That 4-hydroxyestrogen, that think about it, Lisa, and all of the listeners. You took estrogen, which was binding to its receptor and causing all of those estrogenized changes that we spoke of. So, of course, what the body wants to do is it wants to limit the duration by which estrogen can bind to its receptor. Mm. So it's going to metabolize the estrogen. Yeah, get rid of it. But but ironically, when you metabolize your estrogen into 4-hydroxyestrogen, ironically, someone can say it's still doing it. In fact, not only is it still binding to the estrogen receptor, some studies indicate it can bind to the estrogen receptor actually with greater proclivity with a wow. greater binding efficiency than its original estrogen and it and it can induce that alter gene expression two hydroxy estrogen does not do it near as much which is why we consider the two hydroxy estrogen to be safer to be the best pathway well the point here is comt converts that four hydroxy estrogen into four methoxyestrogen mm-hmm. and f- now for methoxyestrogen dramatically loses its ability to bind to the estrogen receptor mm-hmm. so yeah. for methoxyestrogen is what we can now say it's no longer estrogenizing okay yeah. the other thing of the four hydroxy going back now to the four hydroxyestrogen if you're not removing it if you are not converting it by methylation into the methoxyestrogen four hydroxyestrogen it decomposes into these nasty little molecules called quinones, quinones. horrible things not very nice things and quinones decompose into oxidants so the whole 
stagnation. If let's let's clarify the statement now. Mm. If as a young woman you did not know that you have the predisposition whenever your body sees estrogens whether they are internally made or externally introduced whenever your body sees estrogen molecules if you did not know that you a tend to metabolize those estrogens into 4-hydroxy byproducts more than we would like and b you were not as efficient at neutralizing the 4-hydroxy estrogen by virtue of cumt what you are unaware of is you are unaware of this thing called an estrodominant burden with estrotoxicity mm-hmm. you are unaware that in your normal cycle for 5 to 7ish days your body is under the strain of an internal inflammatory production internal oxidative stress more than your female companions and will you to then take that normal exposure but but double down or triple down yeah going day in day out on an estrogen source think of what you're doing to the body and, and by the same one, yeah and by the same token the bioidentical hormone replacement on the other end of the scale with the menarch uh, the the menopause uh, and and we want like just just to clarify estrogens are not evil things we want no, it, no, the no, body no, needs no, no, no. estrogens and like it keeps us younger i mean being on this is the dilemma that i've been facing the bioidentical hormone replacement keeps me my bone density good keeps me you know yes. being able to hold my muscle my skin is better i'm not aging as quickly the endothelial cells of my vessels are better etc etc however i need to keep those in a balance so that i don't get too much estrogens going in or uh, i need to keep my progesterones up and i need to make sure i know where my testosterone is uh, yeah so that because i don't it's, because it's about the balance yeah. right it's about finding and so here's that final point You know how we spoke about the cells these are having these estrogen receptors? Well your cells have androgen receptors as well mm. and they have progesterone receptors as well. Mm. So think now we can almost visualize a healthy cell, a healthy female cell is one that is having it's a traffic system and it's one that is being trafficked into it at the proper ratios at the proper circadian pulses and rhythms sometimes estrogens are getting in altering gene expression in an estrogenized manner sometimes androgens are getting in altering the gene expression in an androgenized manner sometimes progesterones are getting in altering the gene expression in a progesteronized manner and it is optimal health and optimal youthfulness and responsiveness to yourselves is when we get that circadian rhythm allowing the cell and allowing its operating manual its genes to go through this rhythm of when are the ge- the genes that are controlled and that are going to be expressed because of the presence of estrogen the genes that are going to be controlled and expressed because of the presence presence of testosterone because of the pre- presence of progesterone these waves and rhythms of gene expression optimal health is when these waves 
happen in the optimal to Natural. and fro manner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and we can replace that optimability, and we can extend that optimability, and, and, yeah. and therein and therein lies the brilliance of hormone replacement, of which it absolutely is something that you know our knowledge can afford. But unfortunately, when we do this without the appreciation of the individuality of these ebb and flow waves. And we push the system without appreciating what was the a priori tendency of that young woman. Was this young woman a priori andro-dominant? Was she a priori estro-dominant? Was she estro-toxic? Was she estro-dominant and estro-toxic? If you do not know these things, you're going to be guilty of, you're going to be at risk of using a one-size-fits-all approach that will... be beneficial for 10%, 20%, 50% of women but that most certainly equally can be deleterious for a group of young women unwittingly and this is what which shocks me is that we have done this human experiment like 85% of the population of women on the planet who are in their menstrual years have been on or are on the pill including myself who was on it for uh 25 30 years I don't even know and ended up with fibroids ended up with endometriosis even though I don't have the 4 hydroxy dominance absolutely indeed uh, yeah uh, and but because I was constantly on these things and so now with these genetic and this is what I you know the 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 point um we are able to tweak and to change you know, for example One. I'm on uh, organic black seed oil which upregulates my CYP1A1 1A2 uh, genes which helps me create more 2 hydroxy because I'm red lighted if you like for that uh one as well uh i yes. i take dim so that i can slow down the aromatase of yes. testosterone i have a very quick sip 17a1 so i need a yes. bit more progesterone support because yes. i'm making my testosterone very quickly but without this knowledge we're just like throwing mud against the wall and hoping it sticks in the right places and doing so Indeed. many people an injustice uh, and think about this uh, lisa that comp that all important comp oh gosh yes comp demethylation that, that is that is methylating those metabolites yeah. including the naughty 4 hydroxyestrogen well lisa and listeners out there there's a variation a very 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 well studied variation of that comp gene and for those of you who are dabbling with a little bit of genetics this is the rs4680 variation so mm-hmm. you can actually go look at the code of the variation and this these variations have codif- codifications this is the rs4680 variation and this variation is defined by two alleles two versions of the gene one is a g version g is in george the other is the a is an apple version okay now the g version of this gene produces a version of the enzyme that is faster it is kinetically more efficient at doing its job and what mm. is its one of its jobs neutralizing 4 hydroxyestrogen yeah. so much so that if you were a gg if both copies of your comt were the fast versions the gs and versus if you were an aa both versions were slow the aa comt individuals the people that have two of the slow versions of the gene their comp 
is working at 70 to 75% slower Holy than the person that is. We're not talking trivialities. We're not talking 5% or 10%. We're saying that if Three you quarters. A, your enzyme is doing the job, it's doing its job. It's just doing it 70% slower than if you were a GG. Now, here's the point. If you were a Compt AA and you had the fast version of CYP1B1 making more for hydroxyestrogen yep. from whatever estrogens your body is seeing, and, and now you didn't, rid of it. you're not getting rid of it. And here's the final point. There are a number of nutraceutic, nutritional intake things, environmental exposures mm -hmm. that can further epigenetically slow down count. So here's one of them. The, 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 the several of the molecules, the phenolics in red wine, which we could talk about whether a red wine wow. is good for you, one glass, we could, but the phenolics in red wine epigenetically slows down count. Oh gosh. Even further. I so if you were, if you were an AA Compt, already dealing with a Compt enzyme and that is doing its wine. job, and then you go drink something like red wine that another person might have had, you know, perfectly fine having a glass a week or whatever the case mm. might be, healthily, you don't even realize that you're doing something that is actually now nutraceutically, from a nutrition perspective, working against something in you that you were even further unaware of. Wow. And then if you layer on that, that you don't have optimal B12 levels and, and folate levels and your methylation process is Metho slow. Is, and you're well, now we're really putting, within, yeah. you're really putting fuel on the fire. So and for this all of the listeners to, out there. Yeah. This leads to sorts of things like cancer. It leads to cancer. It leads to, again, I keep saying, you know, even before we get to cancers, it leads to a quality of life that can be so radically either mm. improved if we knew or simply a quality of life where we're simply being told, well, you know, that's, that's just, just some of the things that that's the way it is. <laughs> mm. Wow, Dr. Mansour, I know you've got another appointment coming up and, and we, we have to jump off the call and I and I don't really feel like we've finished this conversation. So again, I'm going to have to have you back and we have to go to, over the men's male hormone report too because everything that we've said today is also valid for the men in different ratios. 100%. 100%. Same cascade. And, 100%. And what I want to get across though, Dr. Mansour, is that you have the power now to be able to understand these genetics. So you uh, and the DNA company have a hormone report report, which I'm going to link to in the show notes, um, that people can go and order. And I like the only reason I'm doing this uh, is because I want people to get this report. I want them to understand their genetics and I want them to optimize their genetics and make informed decisions around their hormone replacement or their pill or their uh, what, what um, nutraceuticals to take, uh, whether you should take DIM, whether you should take black organic seed oil goodness knows what all of these things that we can do to optimize our pathway so i'm going to be linking to that in the show notes that dr mansour's company has this report now and you can find out exactly what you should do and how to optimize your your actual personal hormone situation dr mansour is there anything you wanted to add there well lisa shortly the short answer no 
a little longer than the short answer is to emphasize what you've just said. This is about empowerment. It is the empowerment of being informed, being informed about your unique predisposition. What, what is your operating manual making your more normative uh, choices, if you will, of these cascades? And then how do you optimize? the things that you want to do and the things you don't want to do. And it is this empowerment that we really want. It's, it's not about negating any choices you have. It is rather simply about empowering you to either make healthier choices or when you make certain choices, you make them informed about the limitations of those choices and then you do your best to mitigate any consequences or implications thereof. Exactly. And I will, end, I will end with one very quick note. As you have said, you know, we've emphasized the ladies here and the, the women viewing this, but it is as important to the men. And I'll give you a very quick example. How many men going through that menopause period? I'm 48. I can tell you a thing or two about that. <laughs> right? But how many men have come to me having felt that they were declining in their muscle mass and declining in their performance in, you know, both in the bedroom and out of the bedroom and everything else. And they thought that testosterone was the magic fix. Mm. And what they did was they went and they were prescribed in good meaning testosterone only to find that upon taking the testosterone, they were becoming more and more <laughs> estrogenized. Yep. Right. Because remember, even in the men, when you take testosterone, that same CYP19A1, that same aromatase is going to convert some of that testosterone into estrogens. And men, that CYP19A1 gene comes in three different versions, mm -hmm. a version that is going to convert your testosterone into estrogens much faster, medium speed, and slower. And so if you don't know which version of CYP19A1 you have, you do not know what is your body's natural tendency to convert testosterone into estrogens, which can have so many implications on the choices you make per going on a hormone replacement. Yep. Yep. And that's a, you know, a thing that I'm discussing with my husband and my brothers at the moment, you know, like the, the implications of, of testosterone therapy and, and, uh, it's not a, it, it's a very simplified thing. Oh, I'll just take testosterone and I'll take a heck of a lot of it because then I want more muscles. It's not. That it's is not. not. It's, it's Unfortunately, not and there are a lot of men doing that. Uh, in, and it works for some and it doesn't work for others because of this very intricate knowledge that we need to have before we make these decisions. So, Dr. Mansour, I think that is a brilliant place to leave it. Thank you once again so much for your knowledge, for your your skill at teaching such a very complicated subject and I hope we didn't lose you guys and girls out there listening along the way uh, listen to it again if we did but make sure you go and get your hormone report done I think that is the key because then you'll know what to do and we can help you uh, interpret that uh, and so you don't need to learn all of this <laughs> you just need to know what you need to know <laughs> Dr Mansour thank you once again it's been an honor to have you again Always, Lisa. Thank you very much. Wow, wow, wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Mansour. It's a shame he had to go off. I could have talked for another 
few hours at least with Dr. Mansour. I just love the information that he gives, the passion that he brings to his project. So it was just absolutely an honor to have Dr. Mansour on the show. And I hope you found that of real interest. Now, if you uh, if your interest has peaked and you want to get your hormones tested, if you want to know whether you're a male or a female, um, <clears throat> if you're a male, reach out to me, Lisa at lisatamady.com and I'll send you to the right place. If you're a female who wants to get your report done, there is a link in the show notes. And the reason why we've done this separately for the men and the women is because we're going to be doing another episode on uh, the male hormone report. But if you're already wanting to jump on that, please just do reach out to me and I can help you there. Uh, But ladies out there, if you're wanting to know what your genetic profile is in regards to your hormones and to get this tested, then there is a link in the show notes uh, that you can go to and order that test. What the DNA company will then do is we'll send out a a, a test kit to you wherever you are in the world and you put some saliva into this test kit and you return it to them. Now, this process does take about six weeks, depending, give or take, depending on the COVID situation, obviously. Um, And once that information is in, then what you can do, uh, you'll be notified of that. I will be notified of that is you can book a session with me to have an interpretation consultation about your genetics um, and how to optimize your situation and what you need to be aware of and any of the uh, red flags that may come up. Um, we'll be able to talk about you know hormone replacement or the pill or what supplements you should be taking or not taking as the case may be. Um, so if you're wanting to do that, the consultation is separate in the price to uh, the test. So just so you know, uh, first step though is to go to that link, order the test, wait the six weeks, get the results. And once you have the results, then you can book a session with me. Just reach out to me, Lisa at lisatamati.com and I'll send you the link to make a booking for a consult with me and we can go from there. The consults with me cost $190. So so you're all up to date on what what is involved and how that whole process works. But this is sort of game-changing information and stuff that you really need to know if you want to mitigate um, some of the downstream consequences of getting it wrong, Um, especially if you're on the pill and you want to know what your risk factors are. If you suspect that you have uh, estrogen toxicity or estrogen dominance, if you suspect that you are have the inflammatory estrogen problems that Dr. Mansour was talking about, um, then you want to get this checked. Or if you're like me on wanting to go on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy at the other end of of, of the scale when you're going through menopause or you're having menopausal problems, um, then these are, you know, this is key sort of information to know. So um, check that out. All the results, uh, all the information is there in the show notes. And if you've got any questions, just reach out to me, lisa at lisatarmity.com. I do appreciate you guys. Um, I love doing the show. I have some fantastic guests. The information that we provide is next level because the guests I managed to get on are next level. And I do my utmost to keep up with some of the, <laughs> these great minds. Um, and it takes days and days uh, and sometimes weeks of research prior to these interviews for me to be up to speed on every area of science that I cover in these interviews. So it's a heck of a lot of work that goes into what what I do here. Um, and I do really appreciate you guys giving us a rating and review. Um, we are going to be having a, a patron page sh- shortly if you want to support us in our work here at the podcast. Um, you know, 
we're going to have a, a patron page where you'll be able to donate a few dollars a month in order to help the show keep running because it is a labour of love. I can tell you that much and it's been doing that now for five and a half years, providing really valuable information and giving you guys real cutting edge because it's the sort of information that I wish I'd had five years ago when I was facing dramas with mum or my own situations with my health or um, recently with my father. This is the stuff I go and find the people to share the information after I've been through a journey and usually after the fact, unfortunately. So this is really about preventative health. This is about optimizing your performance. This is about helping you be the fittest, strongest, best version of yourself that you can be. And I really appreciate you listening to the podcast, to you sharing it and letting others know about it if you find this content valuable. So thanks once again, and we'll see you again next week. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com 